welcome to the fourth episode of The Love Frequency. This week we're going to talk about spiritual love, but before we get into that, I just wanted to share a few reflections and resources perhaps that might help if you listened to the previous episode on self-love from Marcy's perspective. Marcy grew up as a biracial woman in a predominantly white community here in Maine, and her journey to self-love took her all has taken her all of five decades. And I learned a lot in that conversation as well as afterwards. And it got me to thinking, you know, since I know it's not it's not healthy for those of us who have white privilege to put the burden to to educate ourselves on people of color, that it's really up to us to find the resources. Um, that will help us to awaken to this um, condition of white privilege, white supremacy. And several years ago, I had downloaded a workbook that Layla Saeed uh, has published. She's a wonderful um, New York Times bestseller, and she has released a digital workbook called Me and White Supremacy. And Layla is L-A-Y-L-A, last name Saeed, S-A-I-D. And she was raised as a black Muslim woman in England. And so she has made it one of her missions to help those of us who hold white privilege um, to unlearn or elevate our awareness so that we are no longer complicit in white supremacy because she maintains that anyone who holds white privilege is complicit in white supremacy until we address it. And another resource uh, my daughter turned me on to is a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram N. Kendi, K-E-N-D-I. And his his proposition is that it's not enough to simply say, I'm not racist that we're not actively contributing to racist ideas, but that we need to actively and proactively become anti-racist. And part of that is learning about the structural racism, the systemic racism that we can sometimes or oftentimes be blind to having been raised in it. So I highly recommend that book. I'm enjoying that read as well. I've also seen the documentary 13th, talking about the 13th Amendment. Highly recommend that. And there's another book that I'm listening to on Audible called All We Can Save. And it's by a group of wonderful activist writers who come from all backgrounds, all ages, and One of my favorite writers is Sherry Mitchell, who is um, a Native American from two different tribes here in Maine. And this book is edited by Elizabeth Johnson and Catherine Wilkinson. So check out those resources if you'd like to do a little deeper dive. If you yourself are a person who is white and would like to expand your learning, your understanding, and deconditioning from this cultural racism that that we have all been part of. Stay tuned, and I'm going to introduce our topic next. (music) 
Welcome back. So now we're going to delve into the topic of spiritual love. And I would ask you to reflect on what you think the difference is between spiritual love and, say, romantic love or friendship love. How is it different for you? Do you, do you know what that is? I don't think I had an inkling myself of what spiritual love might be and how it might be different until I was about 19 and I was in college and a friend shared a pamphlet or a booklet with me that was written by an Indian yogi called Unconditional Love. And what an eye-opener that was for me to consider that, that there's a kind of love that does not ask anything of me in return, that I can feel loved wholly for who I am, how I am in this moment without having to earn it in any way. And then I read a book called Love is Letting Go of Fear by Gerald Jampolsky. And that was also equally very influential. And it helped me to understand that it's not possible to feel love when I'm feeling flooded by fear. And that love is not so much a feeling as it is a state, a state of being that we can nurture in ourselves. And so what I would invite you to do is to pause for a moment if you can, or come back to this later if you're not in the space where you can do this. And imagine what it would feel like right now if you were receiving and or giving unconditional love. You might most easily be able to access this experience when you think about interacting with a, a beloved pet or a beloved friend who just doesn't judge you, who just, they get you, they adore you with all your flaws and foibles, like you're just, you're just golden. And when you think about that care, that adulation, that acceptance. Notice what happens in your body. What, what sensations arise for you and where are they? It might be like a, a spreading warmth that you feel in your heart and chest region, or maybe it's a little bit lower like in your solar plexus or even your gut. Or maybe just notice that everything in your body sort of softens and relaxes and your breathing becomes a little deeper and easier. Just notice what happens in your body when you allow yourself to focus on that state of being. Maybe even your mind goes a little more quiet. Maybe you're a little more aware of your breath. And if you don't know if you've ever experienced this, imagine what it would feel like. Use your imagination. Because the mind cannot distinguish between something vividly imagined and actually experienced. So by calling this up, either through your imagination or recalling from past experience, you are repriming the pump of your body and mind and entraining it to go back into that state. And that is a great antidote to the stress that we're all going through. So let yourself marinate in those positive feelings of connection, safety, belonging, acceptance. 
and love. And that'll be a great preparation for listening to my next guest share her story of how she came to understand what it was like to feel loved by Source. I'll be bringing on my new friend, she's a new acquaintance, quickly becoming a friend, Pamela Hamilton from Shreveport, Louisiana. And we've met while taking an online course through Mind Valley. My name is Lisa Love. I'm looking forward to having this conversation and I hope that you'll join us. Stay tuned. Hey, Pamela. Hello. We are live. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. So this is novel. We are actually recording from two different states. And I've already given a little heads up introduction, but I would love to open it up for you to introduce yourself. And um... great. Um, I would love to share my journey. My name is Pamela Hamilton. And I live in Treeport, Louisiana. So this is very far away from where you are, Lisa. And it's it's a different kind of a culture, right? My culture is Southern. So I think the first thing I want to share is something about one of my aunts. Her name is, we call her Aunt Helen. And whenever my dad would take me to go, take the family, we would go and visit them. She would always call me things like sugar love or sugar plum, baby love, just, just so many different kinds of terms of endearment. Mm-hmm. And it opened my heart to her. And I'm, I'm talking when I was young, like six or seven years old. One of the things I never forgot about her, and it inspired me to want to be the kind of person who could easily say those endearment things to children to other people because she she didn't just say those things to children she said them to adults as well she just had a loving spirit but oh this this was your aunt who used those terms of endearment not your dad yes okay this was his sister-in-law spoke to to everyone in that way nice so um it was not normal for the adults in my family to speak that way. She was the only one that I can remember, maybe one other aunt, who would be that open-hearted. Mm. And so there was a lot of harsh harshness in the tone of voice when I was growing up. And so that's what I became used to. And that it, it's what made her seem so unique and, and so enduring as well. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that as I grew up, I grew angry around the people around me. And so when uh, 40 years later, 45 years later, I still aspire to that. I'm closer, getting closer. Mm. It's been a journey. It's been, a, it, it taught me that love is inside of me. Despite mm. all the that I grew up with, the desire to be able to express those loving terms never in a way. So and let me so- just stop you there for a second. Because mm-hmm. you know how some people can use terms of endearment and it's just a label and you don't feel it. But it sounds like you really felt like 
your aunt embodied love and use those terms as an expression of that? Oh, yes. Oh. As said, as she, she was that way with everyone. Yeah. It was, it was not, um, I know it sounds very Southern, <laughs> honey pie. Hey, you, you, know. you can call me honey love, honey pie, honey sugar plum anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. But you know what I can tell you? It takes a certain amount of authority to yeah. do it. Yeah, mm. I'm still growing into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how she learned it. Maybe that's the way she grew up. The people around her would, would speak mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. So it was just natural. It just, she just did it naturally. When I, um, I had an experience when I was late 20s and it involved my mother and my sister. And mm-hmm. so I, I witnessed an, an argument between them but mostly from my sister, there was just the, she was, she was so incredibly angry. And I witnessed her telling my mother with genuine, genuine intent, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. You were and raised so, to be what? Christian. And so we didn't speak that way. Even if we felt we didn't speak that way. And so, um, I don't know what was going on with my sister, but I had a response to that because she was talking to my mother. (laughs) This was our mother. And we were not used to, I was not used to my mother being spoken to that way. We were not raised that way. We could not talk to our parents that way. And so my Mm -hmm. father, he had passed on. And my sister and I did get into a confrontation as well. And I ended up saying to her, I hate you. Mm. And to hear that come out of my mouth was a huge wake up call. That's not who I want to be. That's not how I want to speak to anyone. That's not how I want to feel for anyone. And so I had to go inside of myself and ask the question, what is love? And so I got an inspiration that would there be a genuine way to tell my sister that I love her? Told me that do you wish do you wish your sister well? Do you wish her well? Do you want her to be her best? And I could say yes to that. In that way, I was able to regain a feeling of love for my sister. And now, where did that idea come from? It came from spirit. I just sat down and I asked the question to the universe. What is love? Now, how old were you? I was an adult. Um, Okay. Probably in my my late age, probably around that time. Um, In your late what? 20s. 20s, okay. And so you knew to sit down and ask the universe, what is love? I did. How did you receive the answer? I was writing in a journal. Or no, mm-hmm. it wasn't even a journal. It was a scrap of paper. I wrote the question down and the answer popped mm-hmm. in my head. 
so it was it was it was a satisfying answer. From that point on, I have been able to call recall that we built we started building a, a different kind of relationship. We are we're, we're ten months apart. Wow. Yeah, that that was a huge strain on my mind. Um, because we were ten months apart, we did not get along very well. <laughs> There's always contention, the jealousy of uh, vying for the love. And oh so, yeah. Um, now, were you the oldest or the second? I'm the last of five children. Oh, okay. Yes. So it was um, interesting childhood. Put it that way. It was interesting. Some really good times and some really bad times. And so that call in me to want to know what love is, it just kept progressing. And I'm glad because that's been my spiritual journey to know that that's what I want. That's the kind of person that I want to be. I want to be loving. And as I've been able to change towards that, I kind of get a sense that other people around me see that as a weakness. I don't want to, I don't want bad feelings. I'm always looking for a way to see the best of a situation. And my, I don't have any children of my own, but I have nieces and nephews. And I, I, sometimes I get into trouble with their parents because they consider me to be too lenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be considered a softie or vulnerable. Yes. So could you share a little bit more about your journey through anger? I mean, that's a huge transformation to go from feeling predominantly angry and deprived of love to figuring out what love means for you and then, you know, working towards feeling filled from it. Because mm. um. a lot of people hold on to anger. You know, I was just working with a client today who also was raised in a really terrible home life with physical and emotional abuse from his mom. And he didn't even recognize that he was angry until we started talking about what was going on. And I said, who would you be without this anger? And he had no clue. He was so identified with it, you know? Yes. I love that question. I've never asked myself that question. <laughs> so you'll give me something no. about. Okay. Um, okay. I can remember something very distinct. Uh, I was away at college. It took me, um, it was a tremendous struggle for me to leave home to go to college because my mother, she wanted me there. I think she was scared, terrified of being a woman. And so she was manipulative in me at home so it was a, it was a, I had to break away and so real struggle wow yeah so I went to I went away about 70 miles away from home I wanted to experience a historically black college so I was really determined to leave and so um I got there and one day I was walking around and I was angry about something. I can't even remember what I was angry about, but I was 
struck, I was keenly aware that there was a difference between the way I had been feeling earlier that morning and the way I was feeling at that moment. I could feel the Mm -hmm. difference, the level of energy that it took to be that angry. Mm -hmm. And I was so conscious of it. And I made a decision. I said, I don't have to feel this way. And I, whatever was making me angry, I think it was a phone call. I was not in a conversation with anyone. The phone call was over. The person I was Mm -hmm. talking to was not physically accessible to me because I was away from home. And so I decided I like not being angry. (laughs) That was a choke. Wow. And, And I guess that caused me to want to understand how to stop it. How do I stop arguments? How do I stop these angry thoughts? How, you know, how do I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. So I started yeah. looking for ways to relieve myself to, I even wanted to know what conflict resolution was just, just mm-hmm. be on a higher level so that I wouldn't have to participate in arguments. I, I learned that I could just say to whoever wanted to argue walk away and I could say it to myself walk away yeah and once I understood that I did I had a choice in an argument I did I walked away wow that's brilliant you know it's so easy for people to say that they're going to put their anger away and what they do is they push it down but it sounds like you found a complete detour that you found how not to even engage with it. Yeah, it, it's been it's been a struggle to learn how to do it, but I feel so much better knowing I don't have to participate. But then it also, uh, you know, I don't like being taken advantage of, so I had to figure right. out how not to feel that way that it's okay to walk away and still feel good. And so um, I've been, that led me on a journey of a spiritual journey. People who are always, who are talking about these things. And, and I started to find more and more in psychology and people who were not just psychologists, but they were spiritually uh, dedicated to, to bringing out the best qualities. And so I was able to trust what I was reading. It wasn't science. Okay. Can you share like who might've been a role model for you in that way? One of the books that I read, a friend gave me the book and she happened to be mm. a psychologist. The name of the book is the Celestine prophecy. Oh. And so the chapter in the book where the, the protagonist, he had a hard time relating to how well the mother related to her child because he did not have a similar experience. And so um, what I discovered, I, I got the companion to the book because the author himself, he he was or is a, um, a psychologist. 
And so he wrote a, um, a workbook for the Philistine prophecy. And I, I was able to go and, and look at what he was saying about relationships. And so I really, it really helped me to see my mother, my relationship with my mother in a better light. It sort of it helped me to start the process of liberation, to understand manipulation, because I never was able to identify what was going on. Why did I feel so bad when she kept insisting that I do what she wanted me to do? And I mm. felt powerless to uh, yeah. to say no and mean it and actually not do it. And so um, it's it's something that she learned to be able yeah. to survive the way she needed to survive. So that's something that I've you know I've been learning multi multi generational ways of coping. Yeah. And so, well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like when you were starting to set boundaries with her that it took more love on your part to hold that boundary or did it take some of the anger to hold that boundary? Well, I would have to say both. Um, Initially, it it was the anger. Um, Definitely, it was the anger. Uh, We got into fights and we just, I mean, when I say fights, I mean arguments. I felt she didn't understand me. I definitely didn't understand her. And yeah, one of the things that I've realized spiritually was that I could go into meditation and shine a light on her. Now, what I mean mm. in this is it was something that I learned. I don't know how I learned it uh, initially, but I ran into better and better techniques at it. But by shining a light on her when I was calm helped to cut out mm-hmm. many of the arguments. So it's kind of like what you did with your sister, wishing her well. But this, you're doing it in meditation. Yes. Vis- visualizing a light coming down on your mom. What? Well, not coming down, but going through her. <laughs> so, ah. Um, the solar plexus. Nice. Um, just, just sending it through her. And it helped me to calm down quite a bit. So uh, I don't. Beautiful. She passed away in um, December to 2016. And wow. I did not feel that we settled everything needed to by the time that she passed away. But I did feel that we, we were making great strides toward that. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to go to therapy to sort of wrestle with the other part of it. So let me ask you now on the other side of that shift and that transition, because when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that you, you now relate to love as coming from source. Can you, can you share a little bit about what that feels like to feel loved by source or however you would say that? I'll share a story. So this is after I had started meditating and, and, and um, really feeling like I was on a spiritual journey. So one night I was in bed and I was having a terrible anxiety attack. I was mm-hmm. trying to go to sleep, but I, I just couldn't. I was shaking. 
And so I, I put it out to the universe that I wanted to go to sleep. And so I felt as if I were taken up, scooped up into the arms of the mother, the all, the mother aspect of the all. And I, I fell asleep. I felt that was probably the safest I have ever felt in my life. And I, I knew and I know it was real. Right. Cause how else could you fall asleep if you're shaking with anxiety? Yeah. So it seems very profound that when, when you reach out to the universe and you make a request, man, stuff happens. Yeah, it comes back. <laughs> wow. Many experiences. So, yes. What would you say? I would say this. And, and when I when I first heard it, it was a harsh sound. But it was I, I came to understand the and, and accept the advice. Love is a choice. It's a choice. It, it is who we are. I, you know, a lot of, I don't agree with Christians who say we're born in sin. I, I just cast that aside. We're born in love because that's where we come from. That is source within us. And it's always, it's constantly calling us. Love is calling us. And so whether or not we listen, that's a choice. You can decide to be loved. It can be a difficult choice to walk away from all of the anger and everything that's pushing your button. But for me, my once I made that decision to be loved, I found more of myself. And it's the journey that I want to take. It's the journey I want to be on. That is powerful so just to recap i heard love is a choice it is who you are yes and source is constantly calling us or love is constantly calling to us and source which is love where we come from is within us exactly i had the full body tingle confirmation powerful pamela oh thank you so much Thank you for asking me. Is there anything else you'd like to anything else you'd like to share before we sign off here? I just want to say thank you. You are such a gift to me. <laughs> and oh, <laughs> likewise. Bless bless you and and your journey. Well, thank you for amplifying this journey, which is to help other people learn how to access their highest vibration. And when you come from that place where you're coming from, you're helping everybody to access it too. So you've just made my journey a lot easier. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Okay. Pamela shared some beautiful stories and nuggets of deep wisdom with us, and I am so appreciative of her. What strikes me is 
her understanding that in order to fuel anger, we must constantly reactivate it with our thoughts. Now, anger is a feeling that lets us know when something is out of balance. So we're not saying anger is bad, but it can become a chronic internal state. And once an upsetting situation has passed, how many of us do struggle with holding on to the leftover feelings by rehashing the situation instead of letting it go? So Pamela figured out how she could decide to feel differently. And she did several important things. She asked for help from the universe or source. She received impulses and information, sometimes in the form of words, others in imagery, that helped her find a new way to respond to that difficult situation. And then she made the choice to be love. And she shared how that she could make that choice and create it as an action that can be demonstrated through words, gestures, and deeds. And not only is love a choice, she says it's our inherent state of being, and that we can tap into it and feel it, and we can acknowledge it that it's within each and every one of us. And finally, that to be love and to be loving is a strength, not a weakness. Next week, I'm going to share some more information on love that I received during my meditative writing several months ago, and I'll fill you in on how I do that and who I connect with to receive this guidance. And you know, if you'd like to share your thoughts, questions, or ideas related to something that you've heard on the podcast or something you've been reading or thinking about or something you'd like me to address on a future podcast, you can send me a voice message through the Anchor app. Simply download it on your, onto your device, sign up, search for this podcast, and select it as a favorite by clicking on that star icon. Then you'll be automatically notified when a new episode is live, as well as have the option to share your thoughts via voice message. And who knows, your comments might be included in a future episode. It's up to each one of us to share this love frequency and to be that light for others. So keep amplifying it, and together, we will make it change. Thanks for tuning in and sharing this with others. Tune in next week, Sundays at 7 a.m. for the next episode.